0: Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with CEO and co-founder of Epidemic Sound, Oscar Haglund. Over the last 10 years, Oscar and the team at Epidemic Sound have set out to soundtrack the world, pioneering a new era of music licensing for all types of content creators, studios, and storytellers. Epidemic Tracks are now listened to over 250 million hours each month and is the go-to platform for people like Peter McKinnon and companies like Netflix. I myself have been using Epidemic Sound for a couple years now and I cannot imagine a world of creating content without this site. I'm literally on Epidemic almost every single day, and now you get to to really get a lot of insight on this machine that Oscar has helped build, you know, where it started, where it is now, and where it is gonna go. Thanks again, guys, for listening. I really hope you enjoy this one. I had a really good time chatting with Oscar. So without further ado, here is a conversation with Oscar Haglund. Welcome to The Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between.
1: Welcome to The Dark Room.
0: Oscar Haglund, thank you so much for giving me the time.
1: Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah, of course. So so I was just telling you before I hit record how, um, as a creator... And as a subscriber to Epidemic Sound for for a couple years now, I got to a point where I really can't imagine not having Epidemic Sound in my uh, recent browser history. Because I find myself legitimately almost on there daily. And, you know, whatever project it is, whether it's YouTube or or other things, like, it, it's opened up, like, every possible, you know, music outlet that I didn't have before. And it it really changed the way that, you know, I look at creating projects and it changed the outcome of projects as well. So thank you, sir, so much for making that uh, possible.
1: Wow. If, if you could see my face now, you'd see (laughs) the total smile from ear to ear. You're the reason why we get up in the morning. You're the reason why we love coming to work. You're the reason why we started the company and to, to help you in your commercial and your creative endeavors. That's what we're 100% about. So what you just said is the best present ever. Um, Thank you.
0: Of course, man. Yeah, because, you know, before before I found Epidemic, because I know Epidemic's been around for, for a little over 10 years, I believe. Um, but I, I had a hard time finding finding things that that either made sense for for my budget or for what I was looking for. Like, it, there seemed to be so many um, just kind of, you know, weird ways to license music in some ways just yeah. didn't, like, either too expensive or the music just wasn't good, to be honest. And it was obviously, like, there was a big difference between uh, music that you'd want to use uh, when you needed it, but music that, you know, like, just was accessible. So, like, what yeah. what things did you see in that industry that you wanted to change and make better? Uh,
1: Let me just start off by saying that you and me both. um, (laughs) I was super frustrated back in the day. So I have a background previously. I used to be a numbers guy. So I guess you could say I'm a a recovering numbers guy. Um, I left uh, that whole side of the world and I moved into TV production. And this is about 15 years ago. Yeah, And so I found myself at a place where we were making tons of TV shows. And that was great. And we came, I obviously came to understand like the core importance of music in terms of capturing feelings, emotions, bringing stories to life. But there were a couple of like massive pain points that were staring me in the face. And there was one from like a content creator perspective, like storytelling. Music was such a central part of all the stories we were trying to tell and to spread. And it was fundamentally broken we couldn't find music we couldn't license it we couldn't report it we couldn't distribute it um if i mean god forbid that something turned into a success so it went global everything sort of crashed and we had to redo everything so as as a storyteller it was like broken we couldn't find and use music which was one of the key elements of bringing any good story into like situation of greatness right and the other thing, so we're five co-founders. The so two of us were frustrated in that situation coming from TV. And the second two founders, David and Pat, they were very, very prominent music producers. And they were super frustrated as well because the music industry had sort of turned upside down. So piracy was rampant back then. Distribution was broken. And it was really tough for musicians to make ends meet. They couldn't find a way of sustaining their immense skill in a commercial setting. Albums weren't working. This was pre Spotify, like everything was shaky and we were like super frustrated because we said, well, how, how could we try and f- solve these two problems? How can we try and create a world where musicians can actually live off their craft, we can help them like commercially and creatively to excel. And how can we do the same thing for the other side of the creative spectrum, which is the storytelling creators? How can we help them get access to fantastic music so that their stories can fly, live, travel. basically just go global yeah those are like the two key pain points that were staring us in the face and what we ended up doing more or less is called one of um one of the first people to join the company which was one of my brothers he was a lawyer at the time and we said hey tom so this is a crazy idea we want to try and solve for a world where music can flow freely and fairly and we want the winners to be creators both music creators and storytellers yeah so we want to build a totally new music industry how do we do that
0: <laughs> yeah it sounds like a big task huh
1: yeah that was uh, like an amazing <laughs> phone call and he goes all quiet and then after a while he says you know what give me a million dollars a year and like an army of lawyers and I can try <laughs> and explain how the old music industry works, and we'll see if we can come up with something new and he paused because he thought he'd hit a dead end and we were like sure well why are you the money let's go yeah um so basically that's where we were coming from so we were like we, we were seeing these two massive problems that were unaddressed. We were seeing the internet was exploding. This was pre-YouTube becoming really big. And we just fundamentally knew a couple of things. We knew that the internet was going to be eventually all about video.
0: Yeah, This
1: is pre-Instagram. So it was first text and then there was pictures and then it was all about video. And we also fundamentally knew as in like picture like a dream, almost like a story because I felt as though like, I was in a dream and, and uh, I have kids. So I, I saw my grandkids going like, granddad, granddad. So your, your generation, you invented the internet, right? And I look at my grandkids and I go, and I go like, yeah, yeah, that's actually true. And they're like, awesome. It's like the biggest sort of contribution of your generation to future generations. It's amazing what you did. And I'm like getting all sort of, uh, sort of cocky and happy. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of cool, right? And then my grandkids go, okay, granddad what was your contribution to that? And at the time, before we kicked things off, I was in TV production, I did numbers, I did other things. And I just felt that I wasn't connected to the most important thing of our generation. And so the dream went, I go, you know what, we soundtrack the internet. And it was a crazy ride. Let me tell you how it went down. So that was the feeling we had when we kicked things off. There was like this vision that sort of How can we help soundtrack initially the internet and then eventually soundtrack the world? How can we make lives great for musicians and great for storytellers and just help music spread like fairly and freely around the world? That was like the energy in the room when we said that we need to do something.
0: Well, what I really like about Epidemic Sound story and, and you guys coming together and doing this is there's, there's two sides of it that you guys had to tackle. It's this side where, uh, you know, soundtrack and the internet is the mission and you can see it. Like you can, you know, it's not, it's not there yet because you're just starting, but you can see where you want it to go. But the other side is this fight with the industry that's inevitably going to happen. And, you know, I, I know that you guys spent a long time making sure legally um, everything was accounted for before you know epidemic really blew up on the scene because you know you didn't know if like you missed any yeah. corners things like that. So like what what kind of things did you guys do in the very beginning or, or things that you wanted to put in place to make sure that you were, you know, essentially like protecting your ass before you know things got too big?
1: The way I describe it, it's almost like um either painting a picture or baking a cake because there were a couple of different ingredients, right? So I guess in everything we've done historically, we've, there's always been a purpose, like a mission, what we want to do. Yeah. But there's been a way of achieving stuff. And so we're huge fans of what we call hustling, which in our world means you start with nothing, but then you turn it into something. So basically when we kick things off, the model, the world we wanted to build didn't exist. So step one was understand the legal landscape. Don't cut corners, do your homework, like yeah. really fundamentally understand it. So that was like the fundament. That was adding like the flower. Step two was like, okay, so let's understand the creators. What is it they really want? They want access to great music. They want access to distribution. So Okay, so let's let's see if we can build products that really cater to their needs because there were no products out there. There weren't stems and you couldn't search and there wasn't sort of the ability to download. And so we can do anything. And then we said, okay, so we need music, because we didn't have any music that existed with like our formula. So we had to start making music at scale. Mm -hmm. We've been doing it for like 10 years, right? So we're getting to the point where we kind of feel we know what we're doing. But that was also from scratch. And then there was the whole concept of like a business model. Nobody had ever done what we'd done because music was supposed to be complicated. Yeah, there was like performing rights and royalties and mechanicals and (laughs) publishers and distributors and PROs and like neighboring rights. And it was a mess. And we said, how do we simplify it? How do we come up with a commercial model? That's way easier. So basically like every single aspect of the business had to be re-engineered or like invented from scratch. Yeah. From the legal, to the product, to the music, to the business, to the distribution side of it. And then so once you sort of, once you hit your stride and you start getting feedback and staying close, because we are creators ourselves. We got into this like agile habit of like improving and updating and improving and updating. But always trying to step back and say, okay, is this like a bold move and like a big bet are we doing something like we really believe in and the way we're sort of seeing the industry totally different that's sort of that's where we're coming from and that's what we always like to try and do
0: yeah because you know when you go into that like you said like it's almost like it's all in or nothing you can't You know, if you're, if you're doing this and especially with the five of you, you guys have to know that this will work and you have to put everything into it. And it did, you know, it it totally did. But, uh, in like in those early, in those early, like either, either beta testing or, you know, when, when you guys went from, you know, from legal and, and doing that to actually, you know, making a site and putting things together. Uh, like essentially, the other the two founders that come from a music background, like were were they the first artists that came through on Epidemics platform, or did you guys start reaching out to artists that you knew? How did that collaboration start?
1: So um, I'm glad you asked because this this is a, a hilarious story. So um, our two founders are like really prominent music producers, and one of the things that it was super frustrated was that the industry back then was an either or. So these guys were in the established system. They were doing really well. They were super fortunate and they wanted to find a way to pay it forward because they were acknowledging that a lot of people weren't as fortunate. They were just as talented, but the business had turned into like a hit-driven business. Yeah, But the irony of the situation was because they're in the old system, they couldn't make a single track for Epidemic because Epidemic was the alternative. So if you're in the old system, we, we don't work with composers who are because the way the old system works is that they basically own everyone. The concept is you're either with us or against us. So they were the founding forces looking to create this brave new world, which they themselves couldn't participate in because they were already like veterans of the old industry. So when we kicked things off, it was very much from scratch and from the network and from these guys are, I'd argue, like superstars within the music community. And so what happened was we started reaching out to people, David and Par in particular, and... The sentiment, I'm going to do like a European comparison and talk about, you'd call it soccer, I'd call it football. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, So the concept was these guys reaching out to people and saying, hey guys, we're launching a new music industry, and the concept's a bit different because we're going to pay you up front. Every single track, we're not going to ask you to work for free. You're going to get paid. You're going to get context and colleagues, and we're going to coach you. We're going to take you from good to great, but you're going to be doing the work. Yeah. It was basically like saying, would you like to play football with... Okay, I, I, Give me a good American football. What's his name? Tom Tom Bradley, right? Would you like to play football with Tom Bradley? He'll train you, he'll coach you, and we will pay you if you show up for practice. Yeah, that's huge. So people were like ecstatic. And so we kicked things off. We get to 500 tracks, and we couldn't just launch something onto the internet like into a void. So what we did, we knew television, right? So television was our dry run. So we reached out to all the TV broadcasters in first all of Sweden, and we said that, hey, Look, we're looking to re-engineer the music industry. We want to do something totally different. We're going to soundtrack the world. And you can play a huge part in that because we know that your TV shows that we've been making for the last couple of years are struggling when it comes to music. Yeah, they need it. Yeah. And it was a high five. They were like, this is amazing. The concept is super fresh. It's new. We've never seen anything like this. They tried us. Two years later on every single channel in Sweden. So I'm flicking the channels in the evening and I hear my music on every single TV station. Wow, yeah. And I sit down and I send an email to my co-founders, and I'm like, "Wow, I I think we have product market fit. I think we're approaching the point where we should probably start to look and see how can we soundtrack the internet." Yeah, because the concept was like, if we're good enough for broadcasters and television, who are like really. professional and like, um, committed content creators for a long time, we said it's a, that's a great arena for us to test and see if our product is good enough for like supporting the online creators. Mm -hmm. And fortunately not enough for us, it really was.
0: So when you go from, from, you know, soundtracking production companies in, in Sweden and and seeing that even just that tiny blip on the map is like, boom, epidemic sound, we've, we've done that. Mm. And now you say you want to go, you know, into the internet which is, you know, so massive and so global, like what, what are the first steps into making that a reality?
1: So here's how this went down. Um, We first did Sweden and then we did all of the neighboring countries, the Nordics, and then we ventured out to the UK and to Holland who are great like TV production countries and it worked out really well. And then eventually I found myself flying back and forth to San Bruno and meeting with YouTube, like as high up as you can get. Yeah. Um, and we realized and we acknowledged both of us that so sort of music was like a huge issue, which was broken. The internet was basically muted because it couldn't distribute music, couldn't monetize it, couldn't make it work in all parts of the world. And we entered the room and said, listen, we have a different opinion. We want to be part of a solution, not part of a problem. This is how you should do stuff. And it basically worked from day one. They were like, this is incredible guys. This is such a strong concept. Somewhere in the process, I find myself in a parking lot in Santa Monica. And I see one of the MCN signs. I think it was full screen, but it might have been Maker. And so we get to know those and we realize that, huh. So the multi-channel networks, they're, they're like aggregating all of the content sort of creators of our time. This is like a long time ago. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So this is a great way for us to serve the community. If we could sort of get sort of on the radar of the MCNs and make sure that we could help them supercharge and power and educate like people that this is where you can get great music. That's probably like a really strong starting point for us. And so we doubled down and I think we have now about, I don't know, 90% of the multi-channel networks around the world or something like that. And so we have them signed up and so they help us sort of help other people find music. I don't know how you found us, Dane, but sort of, i oh, sorry, it was either from somebody on YouTube or like a colleague.
0: Yeah. YouTube, YouTube yeah. creators. Yeah.
1: And, and so that's the way, so we went to market. We said that so back then the YouTube video wise basically was YouTube. So we doubled down on that for, I'd say a good couple of years. And we saw progress in so more and more countries like hitting eventually, I think it uses in over 200 countries now. Um, and there was this great traction. There was such a, like a, a refreshing way of talking to creators because I think most people had been accustomed to music being like difficult. You were a bit afraid you might get sued. We came at it from a totally like different angle. Again, like bold moves. We said that, hey, what about if our approach to creators is everything but the old way? How about we approach creators and said, Dane, we'd be honored if you would consider using our music to in any way, shape or form, like help your content pop and come to life. If we can be of service anyhow, so we're down. We want to do whatever we can do. And the whole idea of just identifying with like a player who wants to be a force for good who wants to come together with a creative community and really build change and like fuel like the commercial and creative success of creators. That was such a strong and unusual statement at the time. So I think it really resonated. So we got tons of word of mouth and people started sharing and then things just kind of exploded onto the internet because there was such a great sense of paying it forward and sharing and being like a collaborative community. That really sort of, Helped
0: us a lot. Yeah, well, see, okay. I want to talk about um, epidemic from the creator side while we're on it. Before, before I want to talk about the on um, the actual musician side too. So for the creator side, um, so I'll use myself as a, as an example. So in about t- I think 2016, 2017, you know, I really started getting attracted to these hyper cinematic vlogs on YouTube, and you know, people like Peter McKinnon are, are great examples of, uh, you know, people that came into the industry and YouTube in particular, and they used epidemic sound. Um, you know, when they started doing it, what it did is it, is it raised the bar instantly right then Mm -hmm. for what creators really need to follow when it comes to having at least a blueprint for, something that's very well made and well done. And I feel like creators do that all the time, whether it's, you know, the camera equipment they use or the audio equipment they use or the the programs like we're kind of in this snowball cycle where we're all kind of using the same tools at the same time but we put our own unique creativity on it. So in yeah. the in the beginning of you guys reaching out and and you know, understanding that you needed to to, you know, get these creators on board and just show them what Epidemic could do for them. Like what, what were some of those early conversations like, but also, I guess, early collaborations like with people like Peter McKinnon or maybe even people before that that you were reaching out to?
1: So um, let me put, first put it in the context in terms of what you're describing. Yeah, I totally agree. So here's what I think is going on on a global scale. There's this massive macro trend which is all about democratization making sure that everyone gets access to whatever it is they need. If you look at education, it used to be for only a select few. The internet has been able to sort of capture education, put it online, put it on YouTube. Everyone can learn a language now. Everyone yeah. can learn it create, Everyone can learn a craft, democratized. If you look at some creating stuff like cloud computing or um, like uh, uh, online storage, it's like the access to tools to build and make stuff, democratized. Everyone can access it. Um same happened in music, right? So the concept previously you had to book a studio and music was just reserved for either the really select few talented who were very well funded. Um or it was also the case that sort of getting access to that same music was for the select few who were super fluent and had tons of cash. Along came like the internet, sort of access to completely different processes, like music, sounds, people, it got democratized. So one of the things that we really wanted to bring to the community was the whole concept of, listen, I think between us, we have like uh, probably pushing 100 years of experience in terms of music production, story production, at like top tier storytelling, um, uh, like echelons, television, cinema. We did The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. We've done all crazy kind of stuff with content, right? Yeah. And so we wanted to make sure, how can we democratize access to great music? To your point, how can we bring like really, really great stuff to everyone? So that was at the core of what we were doing. And when we got to the point where we had product at work and we had like this product market fit and we started rolling it out, I'd say it was a combination of push and pull. We've always been curious as hell. We're always keen to ask more questions than to give answers. So we started reaching out. I remember going to the first VidCon ever ended up on their advisory board. And I just sort of, I, I sort of felt the power of what creators were achieving. And this is a long time ago in Anaheim. And so we started making connections. Sometimes they were physical, sometimes they were digital, like starting to communicate. Even though I'll be the first to admit that initially we held a very low profile. We were like super Swedish. We were like, eh, we, we don't want to sort of make a fuss and we don't want to say it too much. We want to keep a low profile. You're supposed to be humble. But after a while, we started getting so much inbound interest from people saying that, I love your products. So I'd really like to, if, if I can be an ambassador, if I can help, if I can pay it forward, yeah. you've really helped push our creative process to the next level. So it was it was like a two-part process where we were first a bit like cautious, humble, very Swedish. And then we got so much love and attention from the community. And so we leaned into that and said, wow, this is great. And so yeah, we'd love to help and we'd love to do this. And we'd love to collaborate. And it was very much an organic snowball effect. We were super cautious to sort of not be the guys and women who go in and say this, this is what we want. It was more like, we're here, we can help, we think, and we'd like to be a part of your storytelling process. If you want to be an ambassador, that's great. We're not going to sort of ask specifics. We just want to collaborate with you and help you. I think that sort of tender approach in our part was something that resonated very well with people because they were totally unaccustomed to people being that sort of careful. People yeah. normally come in and mm-hmm. just say, say this, do this, endorse that. So here's money, his stuff. And we were way more like, it's about the creative Yeah, do
0: your thing stuff. for sure. Building yeah. stuff and doing your thing, right? So when it when actually when it comes to like you guys kind of you know going from being a little bit more reserved to, to like really understanding that people loved your product and wanted to talk more about it and also wanted to work with you guys. Um in a in one of your keynotes you said something that, that I, I kind of want to talk about and just maybe have you paint a picture of what that means um, so I can wrap my head around it. But you said uh, that by owning online video, you guys could take over the distribution of the music as well. Do you, do you remember kind of talking about that? And can you kind of yep. jump into what, that, what yes. that means?
1: Wow. Okay. I'd love to do that. I'm, I'm just, I'm impressed by your questions. So here we go. Thank you. So what I'm alluding to here is something that we like to call the network effects. And basically, so how we see the world is that back in the day, the way that artists were found, tracks were discovered, was by distributing something so it would reach a lot of people. Like, I think there's like a magic number seven. Like if you hear a track seven times, that's when your mind goes, I recognize this and I actually like it, as opposed to, oh, this is new. It's a bit odd. Mm -hmm. So there's this concept of like, how do we reach a lot of people? And the old way of doing that was radio. And the macro, the trend for radio, if you ask me, is not great. So I have three kids, they're twelve, ten, and eight. they've never owned radio. they've never <laughs> listened to radio.
0: Yeah,
1: and so like it, it's not so it's not doing too great so if if, if you're the of the opinion, okay, so radio used to be the way to reach the entire world to get new music launched, and that's going away. What's going to replace it? And the way we figured it is, well, the way the world is going that most people have smartphones and there tends to be a feed and the feed can be Snap, can be YouTube, can be Insta, can be TikTok, can be whatever it is, but there's typically some kind of a creator. Some would call them an influencer, but we call them creators and they have a story to tell and they're using music to propel and to build that story and to connect with emotions. So we found ourselves in a position where I think our music gets played more than 250 million hours every month on YouTube alone. Yeah, that's Uh, wild. We have like millions of the world's amazing storytellers. Yeah, And they were reaching out to us and saying that, you know what, the number one question I get on my video is, hey Peter, I love the music you're using. Why can't I find this on Apple? I want to listen to this music when I edit, when I run, when I cook, when I read. So there was all this like up them uh, demand for people who were following the creators that they love, they trust them, and they're seeing these great tracks and they're hearing them one time, two times, three times, five, seven times. And then eventually they're like, that's an amazing track. I want to listen to that when I work out or when I have dinner in other contexts. So we had literally thousands of creators reaching out to us saying that, hey, so you need to put your music on, on the music streaming services because people are loving your music, not just us creators, but the viewers out there. And we have tens of billions of people who watch our music, like every single month across YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. They're saying there's a, I want to listen to this stand alone. And so that sort of, that propelled us into a new situation where we were like, okay, that makes total sense. So what if, what if our music now, if, if we're soundtracking the internet and radio is going away, I think that sort of the internet and arguably like public spaces, that's probably how you're going to reach the world in terms of launching new tracks and new artists. By sort of seeing these platforms as like great places to hang out, great places to have your stories put, as opposed to the old industry, which tends to be at ends with each other, they, they tend to fight. So we went all in and we started telling people, you know what, we've now uploaded subsets of our catalog to Apple, to Deezer, to Spotify, to TikTok, to like 25 DSPs around the world. So if you're an interested viewer, why don't you become a listener? Yeah. And we launched this a few years ago and things went ballistic, right? So we had hundreds of millions of streams across all these music streaming platforms. And so there was like massive traction and this generated tons of royalty, right? So there was all this money coming into the system and going back to our initial, we're like, okay, so we've helped the storytellers amazingly by providing like kick-ass music, super cheap, great tools. We've really done our bit. How can we help the musicians as well? And we were like, okay, so we're already paying them up front. How about if we put our money where our mouth is and we build a music industry where we split all the revenue we get from um, the music streaming platforms just in the middle, 50-50. We've already bought the tracks, but we're going to share everything. Yeah, straight down which the is an incredible ratio. Incredible. I mean, it, it's unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you do your homework and you look how the industry works. We did it because it was the right thing to do. That's how you build trust and like partnerships. And the response was... Amazing we went from like a hundred musicians per month reaching out to us to a hundred per week to one hundred per day because suddenly we were giving like both of these some incredibly talented creator groups we were giving them access to great music that was doing really really well musicians got like all this distribution they got money and sort of likewise and we felt that sort of, wow we 're really starting to fuel sort of the creative side of things the commercial side of things. What happens if we try and put these two groups of creators together. Mm -hmm. So that was like the next step. So last year we kicked off our first uh, music summit in New York. So what we did is we invited a bunch of YouTubers and creators and we invited a bunch of music creators and we said that you guys love each other. You use each other constantly, but you never meet, you never collaborate. And so the industry would have you pitted as two different entities. You're like the visual creators and you work fast and like agile. You're the music group and you're like, difficult and work slowly. That's what the old world would have you believe. Yeah. And we were like, <laughs> hell no, you're exactly the same. Yeah. You're all about sort of what you stand for, about collaboration, about inspiration, getting things done, doing it sort of in, uh, in a context that matters. And so we put them together and it was amazing to see what the outcome was. It was so much creativity. We had YouTubers creating tracks, vice versa. The sounds of what they were putting together was totally different. It was just like a creative explosion. So this, like, we put this into the whole process. So now we have these, like, every single year where we keep on putting more and more creatives together in these, like, really, really creative environments. And this, it's magic.
0: Yeah, well, because, you know, like I said, and, and in that same vein, the, the creative side, like YouTube and those creatives, like, all coming together – and and building this thing up and and everyone working together on it and like people being able to see it is for sure I'm 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 going to say I'm pretty sure like a big part of the growth that you guys have had in the last few years and on the on the other side of that like when, when it comes to movies and and TV and and production companies in the states Um, is there, has there been any pushback with that? Because I mean, you know, like movies and TV and, you know, I know you guys have been in Netflix shows, but I'm pretty sure that they usually have contracts with, let's say labels or other, other, you know, music production houses. Like, so breaking into that scene, at least, um, on like a a Netflix or a streaming service level, like what are, what are some ways that you guys have been able to do that in the last few years?
1: First thing that you need to sort of, get right is quality there's no way around it so it doesn't matter how smart how easy how great you are so end of the day everything is about quality and especially in the creative industry and especially around music so there's no cutting corners it's taken us 10 years of doing what we do and like 20 years prior to that to understanding the craft and the actual needs right but we're in a position now where we make music we capture emotions we can bring stories to life like no one else we're like really, really proud of that. So that's like a, that's like a hygiene factor. You need to get that down, and there are no shortcuts. If you've been able to get to that position and, to, and then have the opportunity to, to build. Second up from that is about understanding who you're trying to help. So there's this sort of typically when you hit like really, really high end shows, there's more of a tendency to use specially written material. As the industry changes, though, there's so much content to be, be produced, there's so much distribution, we're seeing less and less of the so-called bespoke stuff, and they're more and more interested in getting stuff that's accurate and that works. So getting to a point where the quality is great, but also the selection is really, really strong, and the curation is like really on point, yeah. that's when you take it to the next level. On top of that, you need to put in relationships, because it's, it's totally a relationship business. We can be super smart. Quality can be great. But if you come, come across as a douche, if you don't make the time <laughs> to sit down and meet with people, it doesn't yeah,
0: really matter. It's we're, important. We're, yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's it, we're creatives. We're building something that we care about. Right. And I'm not going to let an asshole be a part of my creative process. Yeah. So it, it, it's sort of, that doesn't work. So hiring the right people, we're like super particular when we hire people. It's, it's, it's like a, yeah, we, we take that very seriously. If you get that right as well, so the fourth layer on top of that is making sure you have a kick-ass offering, like a really great, smart setup. In our case, it was about, okay, so what are the pain points? So, well, distribution. Like, if you're a Netflix of, so I want to show this in 212 countries. I'm like, yeah, we're done. So yeah. we've done our homework. It took 10 years. We can do that. And like, wow. So nobody's ever been able to say yes. Yeah, we know. It took us 10 years, a decade, but so giving a very simple answer to a very complex question is a thing of beauty, and then we go to like the financials. Like this is how we see it. This is this is the value. This is the cost, and this is how we want to structure it. And they're like, this is super transparent. It's it's so straightforward. We're like, yeah, that's how we think. We, sort of, you should build a business, and so giving people that sense of that you want to leave them with a feeling, which is like, wow, this is such a great deal. This is such a great craft in terms of putting together and understanding my needs i think that's how you layer something up like that and so again going back to the whole iteration because we definitely didn't get everything right from the get-go we've been i mean i think it was edison who said i I know ten thousand ways how not to make a light bulb um there's something to that quote right because we've done so many mistakes along the way but we're super open about it okay sorry our bad how about this let's try this It's a constant, like, back to the Swedish, like, be agile, be humble, listen when people tell you what they really want and what they like and what they dislike, and then go act on it. That's how we got into where we are.
0: And I actually used to make music, so I was going to say if I was a musician, but yeah, I had like a two-year stint in my life where I was making music, so yeah, I'll say as of now that I guess I could call myself a musician. So as a musician, um, in my head, there's really there'd be no reason to not just go all in on trying to become licensed by you guys. There, there It really feels like, you know, like I'm trying to, to even think of another reason why I'd try to, you know, go to, you know, one of the biggest digital streaming services and like put my music on there and maybe collect, you know, a very small percentage. And even back in the day, like I, f- I forget if it was CD Baby or one of the original ones where you could where you could actually kind of put your music through and it'd go into iTunes and things like that. I think I made like $2 in two years. Um, but my question is, what is the future of digital streaming, but, but mainly for, for your sake of this licensing path? like Where, where do you see things going in the next you know, decade or even just a few years in the future with with all this yeah. new tech, you know, kind of coming in. I've heard you speak on AI briefly. So, you know, I'm not I'm not sure if you're interested in that topic of of you know going into that future world of it. But but have you guys kind of uh you know loosely planned for what can come next and what your epidemic, you know, sound gigantic business can do to help it?
1: So let me see if we can touch on AI. But I think that where we're coming from, we're seeing it as we've put out this massive invitation to the world, which is like, sort of, let's come together and soundtrack the world. If you're a content creator, sort of, we'd love to work with you. If you're a musician, sort of, come and join the movement. If you're a place of business that wants to bring feelings and emotion to the world, sort of, we're totally your Huckleberry. That's what we sort of, you, you should be doing stuff with us. And the way we've done it is that previously, we very much started out like in one part of the business. Um, so we started out as sort of, yeah, soundtracking entertainment, basically, as we then moved on to soundtrack the internet, like interesting things started happening, knock on effects and like benefits we hadn't really anticipated. We, we then got to the point where we realized that our music was soundtracking public spaces. So like fast food restaurants, hotels, yeah. like, shopping malls, that, sort of, they started reaching out saying, we'd love to see if we could work together. And so we started doing that. And so we have like tens of thousands of locations around the world. And then, as I mentioned previously, eventually like the Apples and the Spotify started happening. And so we were like, wow, we're soundtracking people's lives now. And we started seeing that like, we're we're soundtracking so many different arenas of people's lives and we're starting to bring them together. So we felt that sort of for musicians, this is great, right? Because suddenly we can start telling them like, this is what distribution at scales looks like. To your point, you should totally work for Epidemic because A, we're going to pay you up front. So we're not asking you to take a leap of faith. We put our money where our mouth is. So we'll pay you to do this, regardless if it ever gets used. Odds are, so when we put it on Epidemic, there are going to be millions of creators and they're going to love it because you're amazing. And we have access to, to their ears. So, Give it a couple of weeks or a few months, and sort of your music is soundtracking the internet, and you're probably having hundreds of millions of interactions. Yeah, this gets picked up, and you go into streaming, you start soundtracking people's lives. That gets picked up by these physical places. Suddenly, you're in restaurants, you're in malls. You get a call from your dad saying, like, oh, I'm in Germany, I can hear your music when I'm at uh, Walmart. This is amazing, this is like uh, this is really cool. And you get to a point where sort of you realize that, geez, everything that I want. As like a musician and as a creator, I want to be respected for my craft. Done. I want to get paid up front. Done. I want distribution. I want people to hear me. Wow. They can do that. I want to serve it not just across one arena. I want it across all arenas. Woo. I want royalties when stuff gets played in like premier streaming uh, music services. Like, boom, done. And so we're like really starting, I think, to educate people and understand To your point. It's. We've done a really terrible job of telling that story because we've been so heads down and trying to build great products and great experiences for all the creators we're looking to serve. We just got carried away and we didn't tell the story properly. So what we're seeing now is we're seeing, I'll give you an example. So last year we saw a hundred of our artists who had what we would call hits, which is like a track, which has more than 1 million streams on a music streaming service. This year to date, that number is over 500. So we've like 5x the network effects in terms of getting artists to 1 million plays on music streaming platforms. That's like an industry wide problem that we're solving. That's like massive. So it's very much about getting the story out there. And to your point, then I think that the best way we can do that is to do it together with creators. Because the only thing better than us telling people, like, this is the opportunity. That's creators themselves sharing their stories and showing that look, this is what happened, to your point. Musician two years, jump on the bandwagon, and stuff just exploded, and it helped you creatively as a storyteller, as a musician, like ticking all the creative and the commercial boxes. That's where, like, where we're going. As far as AI goes, yeah. I'd say that sort of AI has a long way to go in terms of actual creative output. But it's already an awesome tool in terms of helping us tag music, understand experiences, understand like flows and behaviors, um, experiment with curation, experiment with uh, like how we build platforms and organize ourselves. So it's a great Santa's little helper, but in no way, shape or form is it any kind of substitute for the, the real deal in terms of creating stuff. It's um it's just it's a way of supercharging your existing creative powers. That's how we see it basically.
0: Yeah, and you know, I feel like just accumulating data is just as massive as, you know, thinking about what's next when it comes to, you know, AI in this particular industry. Like almost how Tesla has been accumulating so much data for the last, you know, so odd years of millions of miles that are tested. Like I feel like you guys have the you know one of the biggest uh channels of data and will continue to when it comes to you know all the all the music that you put in there and all the all the creators that you're currently you know getting stuff from but also on the other side like all the research you're able to do and see where everything's going so then that way you can kind of package this thing up into like a nice little you know data ball and it can it can live wherever it wants in the next few years you know because like i i think that I'm a pretty, uh, strong proponent, uh, on voice. And that is not just because I'm speaking to a microphone now and I have a podcast, um, <laughs> but I, I am, I, I really think that the progression, like you were talking about radio earlier and how your kids like, yeah, like a radio to them seems, you know, still prehistoric. If you turn it on in the car, they're probably like, what is this? Like, why, why is there a little bit of static? But, but I, I really think that voice, um, like with Alexa and, and with all these, you know, new, new things, you know, coming up in the next few years and being able to to really just like step up the game to what voice like is and means and things that we don't even understand yet like i see epidemic also being able to just funnel that wave of you know these new technologies incredibly well because there's going to be so many more platforms that are going to need to pull music and need to pull it efficiently so like i really think that you guys will hit it on the head with that
1: Thank you, man. Yeah. I mean, needless to say, I totally agree with your analysis. I think that from our perspective, the only thing that's better than having access to great music is having access to great music and insights. Imagine us telling yourself then as of, hey, then we see that sort of when you use this kind of music, you get more views and more comments. When you use this kind of music or this artist, you get 10 times more uh, mentions. Yeah, Uh, Here's our suggestion for what you should be doing. We see that you've used this artist quite a bit. You should probably follow her because every time she releases something, we could some update you, just that information. We see you have some following in South Korea now. So this is what's currently trending music-wise in South Korea. Here's our suggestion, what you should like. So probably try and test and see if it resonates well with the people who are following the content and the stuff that you do. So like adding insights to, to music is, is a beautiful thing. And I think it all ties into your bigger picture, which is I'm confident that again, I'm going to go allude back to my dreaming. Like if, if I'm like in 10, 20, 30 years time, I'm totally convinced that people are going to look back at these last 10 years and say that this was the golden age of storytelling in general and audio in particular. I mean, in the last 10 years, we like we invented binge watching. We invented like uh, the whole podcasting industry, like tweets, 140 signs, like YouTube watching everything that Netflix has done. Um, the vines of the world, the uh, ebooks, the vlogs. I mean, there's been so much innovation when it comes to telling stories in general and in particular around audio. It's insane. There's never been such a creative time around audio and music as right now. So I'm totally on board with what you're saying. And I think it's going to continue for at least 10 more years because there's so much more to do.
0: So the age that I am now, uh, which is 28, uh, I have lived through, like, this this crazy progression that the music industry has had. Like, I really feel like, I've, like I'm in that perfect sweet spot to see it all. You know, like, when Napster came out and LimeWire came out, like, I was, like, coherent and using those things, and, like, I, I knew how to use them, and I knew it was a big deal, and I knew the music industry did not like that, as did everybody else. And then that kind of, you know, that kind of fizzled out a little bit, and then these streaming services came up. So there's been these progressions that I've seen and and you know the streaming services got a lot of slack too, right? And like to this day, they still get slack. And I, I kind of see now beyond those streaming services, like Epidemic kind of being that next tier, which obviously like you guys I'm sure have had to deal with a lot of slack and you're going to keep dealing with yep. these pushbacks. So like as a CEO and as a co-founder of a, a company that is going to constantly potentially have to have gloves up against the music industry, which is the most ruthless when it comes to like, you know, lawsuits and getting what they want and being pissed off about, you know, the ones that make them millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like these old systems are falling and fading away, but they don't want to admit it or show it. Like as a CEO, I know there's a really long drawn out like explanation, but like as a CEO and co-founder of, of a a company like Epidemic that is going to have to deal with these types of, you know, dodges and weaves, but also, you know, like some punches here and there, like what's it like to, to guide that kind of a ship that, you know, you're going to have to hit a couple icebergs here and there.
1: So I'd say that, that breaks down into a couple of different things. First one is if you're ambitious and if you're setting out to do something really profound, as in, I'd say soundtrack the world or change an industry or like really have an impact. And you need to be very clear about your beliefs. What do you believe in? What do you want to do? Why are you doing this? Why are you sort of stepping up to the plate and sort of accepting this challenge? Because it is a challenge. In our case, it was super clear because we really, really felt that we believe in a world where music can flow freely and fairly. We want to side on the side of creators and we want to be a force for good. We enjoy coming together. We enjoy celebrating together, and we really want to sort of be this rebel without a pause. Sort of this company that just keeps on going and has a mission, and we sort of we don't quit until we're there. So we're 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 supercharged by a, a couple of core beliefs. As in, this is this is why we get up in the morning. This is what gives us energy.
0: Yeah.
1: Number two, as an individual looking to myself, I think you need to be of a certain inclination where you're comfortable with. Not only risk, but also acknowledging that sort of nobody ever thanks the change maker. That's not my job to be thanked. So our job is: we have a vision, and we like we're powered by a desire to do good, to leave the world in a better place. And we acknowledge that sort of getting to that point, not everyone is going to agree with us, yeah. and there is going to be like discussion, there is going to be conflict, there's going to be turmoil. I feel quite confident that so that's part of the game. It's something that can get worked out. Uh, it's interesting because because it it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you agile, and it's good because you should constantly be questioning yourself. I mean, most of the best people I've interacted with ever tend to be handsomely skeptical initially because they're passionate about what they do, and you don't like change as a human being. But if you sit down and you engage in this case with us and we have a discussion and we let you know this is what we do, this is what we're actually about. I've never once had a discussion with somebody where I haven't left the table feeling that sort of that was really fruitful. And I'm guessing that people tend to feel the same based on like the relationship that we're building in the music industry at large. Which brings me to my third point. We are in no way, shape or form like 2.0 Vikings come to like kill and and, like destroy the the music industry. We're the exact opposite. We're like, we're passionate about music being relevant. I mean, we're, we're terrified that sort of, Music where it was previously was too rigid. There weren't too many, there weren't enough examples, enough like alternatives. So we came in and said, listen, we're we're here to complement, we're here to build stuff that's gonna make music stronger, more powerful, more spread, and make it more interesting for everyone. And sort of getting to that point and sort of as soon as I sit down and talk with people within the industry face to face, that's always the case. That we, we, we see very much eye to eye in the sense that we love music. We respect creators and we want to make life better for them. Yeah. How do we do that? We might have different ways of getting to the end goal, but the end goal is very much the same. We want music to be everywhere.
0: Yeah. And you know, I going back to what I was saying earlier, like I think that what you guys have done is an inevitable progression to this industry, no matter if people mm-hmm. like it or not. But on top of that, what you guys have done is, is necessary. Like it's a, it's an essential tool now that will, you know, will live on. And like, this is kind of rewriting that chapter, um, of that book of where, where things are going and where they need to be. And I, I you know, I can't really think of a, any better way to, to, to represent you know, music and the industry and like creatives and, and on both sides of the equation, than you guys have done. So like, that is for one, why I am such a big fan and like why even today on my list of things to do, I'm going to be on epidemic and I need to find a few songs for a project that I'm working on. And like, it's, it's my daily, you know, it's like, I could not imagine not having that. So, I thank you and uh, I thank the whole Epidemic team. Can you can you let uh, people know how to get on Epidemic and, and get going with either a subscription or just to surf around?
1: You bet. So first off, on behalf of all of Epidemic, Dane, thank you so much for A, having us on your podcast and B, for saying that. And obviously for anyone out there who's curious to understand how we can help in the creative process, I'd encourage everyone to come visit us at epidemicsound.com. Uh, kick off a free trial, 30 days, no strings attached. Download everything, anything, create as much as you like, play around, test it. Uh, Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Most people tend to do it and you stick around. If you don't, no harm, no foul, no cost at all. So we've really tried to make an open invitation. So come soundtrack the world with us.
0: That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and checking out that episode with Oscar. You can see Epidemic Sound at Epidemic Sound on Instagram. You can go to their site, Epidemic Sound. Dot com. The way that I usually find music on their site is by searching through playlists. You can kind of get an idea of like what mood you're looking for uh, with a bunch of their playlist names. You can also get really, really, really specific on there. You can narrow it down from like low tempo, high tempo, medium tempo, you know, everywhere from like dance to EDM to rock to, you know, jazz vibes to classical vibes to like literally like if I was naming them all, I would name every single type of music and and sound, but you can search a lot on there and it will change your life if you need a site like this. All right, you guys. Well, you can say hey to us at Darkroom. You can say hey to me at Dane Diener. And if you leave us a rating, review, any of that stuff, it is greatly appreciated. So yeah, thanks again for listening and we will see you guys next week.